Reed Hernwich turned 50K into 500K trading on his phone while caddying on a golf course. He hasn't eaten dessert in seven years. Former semi-professional golf player and his dad was on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So how much of that is true? And can you help fill us in on some of those details, Reed? Wow, that is a great introduction. I did not expect that. Um, all of those details are definitely true. Um, and I would say the 50 to 500 of last year, um, some of that, but maybe half of it was done on the phone and, and caddying and all of that. But all, of course, some of it was done with the screens uh, in the office as well. But um, that is one topic we can talk about because I, I still do trade from the phone, but, but just not quite as much because as everybody knows, trading from your phone, um, it can work for a while, but that one little blip or mistake, even like sending a text message, right? It's, it can be a little bit demeaning rather than having your full screens and data right in front of you. So I will say I, I made a couple mistakes on my phone while caddying and not being 100% in tune, thinking that I was uh, unbeatable, you know, after so many wins in a row, but that does come back uh, to haunt you sometimes. So there was that. Uh, my dad did play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I've uh, learned a lot from him. So with sports and sports are directly related to trading. I feel like I'm playing a sport every day when I wake up, which is probably why I love it. Um, yeah, and I was a semi-professional golfer. It was a short-lived career, kind of got injured, uh, still like to play. And I really just support my fiance now who is a professional golfer, very good. And I like to travel around the country with her and trade from a couple of my laptops that I have. So uh, definitely have learned to be a dynamic trader in all different settings. I got two different offices. I got hotels with laptops. I got my phone sometimes. So I've just tried to really learn how to use all of the different um, assets there. So that's about it. Awesome. Yeah. So as far as trading from your phone, I don't say that in a looking down way at all. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly impressive. And some people who trade with a laptop might take some lessons from you. So what have you learned having that phone as your main trading platform or as your backup? Correct. Um, yes, phone is a very good uh, transitionary and uh, backup platform. Absolutely. Because especially if you're somebody that is on the go all the time, you can't just spend the entire day sitting in front of the screens. Right. So, I mean, I have a real estate career too, which I'm, you know, shifting a little bit away from and I'll have appointments, but while you're driving to appointments and stuff, it's hard to have a laptop and all of that out. So you got to use your phone. But what I will say is that it depends on the broker you have that you can get uh, the proper apps and uh, also I have my FinViz, my screeners up all on a specific private uh, web page on my Safari so that it's very easy access. Um, my phone is also the biggest phone that you can have, right? So that's important so that when you're uh, doing your orders and stuff that you can still see a screen. And one thing that I really like about using the phone and is that when you have a laptop in front of you, it's, it's just so easy to click buttons. I mean, I'm a scalp trader and it's very easy just to execute orders, 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 in and out, in and out. 
when you have your phone, um, it's a little bit slower. You have to take all of the information in, looking up the data, the news. So I do less trades when I have the phone. I do less executions and orders, but I'm more patient on my entries. And I always have the mindset of, oh, if I can even just do one good trade off my phone today, it's going to be a good day. That would be a win. And what actually ends up happening is I do more than one trade off my phone. I'm more patient on my entries and I have larger order sizes rather than putting in 15 small orders like I do sometimes. I, I'm, I'm in and out with a few bigger orders, a few bigger co uh, um, covers, and the trades just seem a little bit cleaner. So I've tried to transition that into my actual trading this year um, as well, just with the screens and all of that. So that, that's what I would uh, say I've learned, especially just the, the patience aspect and how important one individual trade really is, right? And maximizing that one trade rather than being that scalper, which I have been doing 10 plus trades a day. And of course it's profitable and all that, but you make one or two mistakes and you get stuck. You know, there's a lot going on. So that's what I would say. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So I've seen some of your executions, we might trade a similar stock and you come out with a higher entry than a lot of us. So how are you doing it? That's another, um, yes, how are you doing it? So the number one answer for all of that is discretionary feel of the market and what it's currently giving you. When I have not traded well, I have not felt in tune with the market and the spiking potential of stocks based on specific sectors, time of day, all of that. If you watch the market all day, every day, and if you have for the last two weeks and you know you're in the zone and what the market's going to be giving you, it's much easier to anticipate an entry, an entry and exit point for a max spiking potential on a stock that I know um, versus just popping in every once in a while and feeling confident to, you know, scalp short a low float stock. You know, it, being in the zone is, is very important. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's almost like a flow state if you're thinking of it from a psychological perspective. And uh, the other thing is this year, my entries are a lot better than last year. I'm trading a little more than twice. Uh, let's see. Last year, I averaged 12, a little over 12 trades a day. And this year, I'm averaging closer to about four to four and a half trades a day. So that shows you right there. I'm picking many, uh, many less trades. And then what I'm doing is whenever I feel like it's time to enter a trade, I just kind of put my blinders on and I wait a little bit longer. So what has happened this year is my entries have gotten better on, on my plays. My win percentage has gotten better, but I'm missing more plays. Now, when you run the data overall, you can never run data on what you're missing, right? So I probably could be making maybe more money this year if I was trading like I was last year. But I tell you what, when you have clean entries, the stress is just, it's way better and you're leaving less up to the markets. It's less gambling. When you have really good entries, it allows you to think clearer on a stock. Um, and let it come down. So I'll just give a, a clear example. I talk about this with David, reverse long all the time. 
if you have a bad entry, let's say your entry, you're a short seller, which I'm uh, short, and it's around VWAP after the stock uh, squeezes you out a little bit. As soon as that stock plays out and comes right back down to VWAP and it starts to crack VWAP a little bit, I'm out for pretty much break even or tiny profits, right? Even if I think that this stock is crap and it's probably going to fall lower. The fact that I got squeezed out and had a bad entry makes me feel like the trade was bad. Um, you get a little bit emotional. You kind of just want to be out of it and move on. And you end up covering for a break even or a tiny win. And then every single time the stock just pukes out and it would have been an amazing win. Every time I have a really good entry, what I do is when it comes down to BWAP and I have a nice win, four, five, six percent, I'll cover a third or half of my position. And then I'm able to let the rest play out because I've already locked in profits and I'm looking at the big picture trade. And I'm able to squeeze out an extra two, three, four percent on that trade. Nothing has changed about the trade other than the fact that I had a better entry point. When you have better entry points, you see the trade clearer and uh, you don't let your emotions get involved at all. Emotions for me start to get involved when I'm losing on a stock. That's, that's when my emotions get involved. And I go strictly to the mindset of, can I just get out of this thing and move on, right? Um, even though the stock's still up 30% on the day, it went 60%, it finally came down to my average. I mean, it's got 30% to give back off of crap news. Why am I still not holding it? Well, I just wanted to get out of the trade. So that happens um, uh, when I'm not patient enough. And so I've developed this strategy to try and top tick stocks. And uh, I'll just add one other thing about that because I do believe position sizing and entries is the most important part of trading that uh, my initial um, entry point is always small size. And if it starts to work against me a little bit, I'll add appropriately relative to the market cap and float and news of the stock. You can't group news. That's all discretionary, in my opinion. I mean, how you read news and how you feel the market that day is going to read that news. It's going to be different on different days. So that's where the feel aspect comes in. Now, on your sense, the float and the market cap we all know based on maybe certain market conditions right now, how we feel a 5 million versus a 20 million float stock is maybe going to move. And you know, a 20 million, 20 million float up average news at 11 AM, if it has a 40%, 45% move, it's gonna be hard to sustain that move if it's a very quick one as well. So it's easier to get like entry points in there. So, um, one thing I've gotten better is when I sense that it's the top and I already have a small size and if it starts to come down and if I feel like it's pulling back, I'll add to my winning position a little bit better. Before I would just add while getting squeezed, hold my position, wait for it to come down, usually get the win. Trying to add a little bit more conviction this year to maybe size up on the less trades I'm doing. So that's my description there. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. So you're talking about four or 5% wins right in the middle of the day to someone who might just be off the street hearing about trading the stock market for a 5% win in the middle of the day. It sounds like 
you're competing with the smartest people in the world. You're trading NASDAQ stocks here. So when someone tries to do what you do, which involves trading some of these very volatile halting stocks, what are they going to run into when they first start? And what do you do that they don't? Interesting. That's good. Well, first of all, I think as a day trader, of course, you can have different edges and trade all different types of market caps and stocks. But one thing that I do know is that there is more manipulation in smaller market cap companies. And also, a retail investor can make more of a difference. Their dollar can go more on a smaller cap company as well, as large institutions are not going to be as involved because they have too large a position sizes to really make any money on these really small cap stocks. So realize that <clears throat> if you're trading small cap companies, you probably aren't going against as many institutional traders. So that's number one, just realize you're probably going against a bunch of day traders and maybe some smaller funds on a lot of these stocks. And then of course, the insider algorithms of the companies, right? So that's really who you're playing against. Of course, a lot of them are smart people, but remember, you know, 90 plus percent of traders lose. So um, I like those odds if you can get pretty good uh, at trading. So there's that um, in terms of who you are playing against. And I'm, I'm sorry, Stem, could you uh, repeat a little bit of that question one more time? Because that's kind of where my mind went. And I want to make sure I answer it. I had the answer and I just want to go back. Absolutely. So I'm picturing myself. Yes. 12 months ago, maybe a little bit longer. Yes. And I'm pulling up YouTube and I see a thumbnail that says 200K in a day with someone's face on it. And he's trading this stock up live and it just went up 30% in the middle of the day. And I might be buying it. I might just be learning about shorting it. And when I start to, sh to learn how to short it, I might find that it's very hard to find the top. So what are you doing that's the opposite of these folks? Okay, there we go. Uh, three things come to mind. One is practice, uh, which would be paper trading. That, that's number one. Um, number two is doing many long trades. And number three is doing many short trades. Okay. So when you're starting off, the idea is never to make money uh, right away. And I was fortunate to pick up on things pretty quickly. Plus, I've been involved with the markets at different times. But um, the goal is to gather information. Okay. And even as I'm winning trades and making money every day right now, hopefully every day, uh, I'm gathering new information every day that's going to help me for the next day. Okay. Um, so your question overall, there's not an answer of like, Hey, follow this one guy and learn from it. And you're going to be a good trader or anything like that. I followed many different people, you know, Gratani's videos, Tim Gratani, Stephen Duck's videos. Um, I forget the other guy. There was one other guy that I followed a bit. I watched a lot of Tim, Tim Lento, uh, webinars, Tim Sykes stuff for, for penny stocks. But I've made all my money or 90 plus percent of it doing my own thing and realizing my own patterns in the market. That is not being arrogant at all. It's just a fact of if you see things happening, you start to put a little bit of money in those positions 
you start running data on those types of trades, very small amounts that aren't going to impact your life. And then you start sizing up a little bit when you have a good winning percentage and some conviction. All of a sudden, your accounts start to grow a little bit. You start to take a little bit larger size. As long as you're comfortable with it and you're not getting an emotional with that size, it grows and you've developed one strategy that you think works. And then as you're developing that strategy and continuously trading it, you start to realize other things in the market. And you never have intentions. Um, I never had intentions of, I want to find out about this and this is exactly how it's going to happen. I let all of the data come to me, the charts come to me, the top gainers and stocks come to me to the point where when you've seen something many, many times, you start to pick up on things and you pick up on patterns, um, especially depending on, you know, if you're a left brain or right brain person and um, who you are uh, personality wise, you're going to pick up on certain patterns better. You might be a little bit more discretionary or systematic, but at the end of the day, I'm just a huge believer in taking what the market is giving you and sitting in front of the screen for hours and hours and hours until you personally see conviction in what you've seen other people already do, or you find out some, some new things yourself. And uh, morning spikers last year, so stocks that spike hard in the morning and are in the top 20 gainers on the day that I feel the news is not justified. I start, you know, I was always trading first red days and I started to see all these spike. And then by the end of the day, they're all like almost red and they were up 20 plus percent early on. And I'm like, you know, how many of these are, are giving it back? And then I just started watching that every day, every day. And I started realizing, and then I started running data and all that 90 plus percent of them would never hold their gains. And this is in the summer. So there's a, a little bit less Momo buyers going on and everything. I just start, started shorting almost all of them and not even knowing anything about SEC filings, you know, still being only five, six months into trading, pretty much winning on every single one of them. Um, so I just saw that pattern. And then I know you know a little bit about my the halts. I saw the halts happening. I saw the halts on GameStop, wanted to learn more about it, started looking into it, and then started realizing that a lot of the halts that gap up out of their first halt, pretty much puke out at least to that first halt level before running. And running all the data, I found out that 78% of halts are down at least 5%, 30 seconds out of their halt. That's pretty good numbers, right? And then you start looking at which halts are doing what. So it's really effort is what it is. Are you willing to sit in front of a screen for hours and hours not making any money up front at the beginning, but knowing in the future that the data that you're gathering and what you're learning is going to pay off. So that's, that's what I would uh, say. Find your own way. Of course, learn from many other people out there, but do not just watch Stephen Ducks and what he does in all of his videos and say, that's how I'm going to trade. Don't do that. And uh, one other point I'm just going to say is, even though I'm 100% a short seller, pretty much, I, I did start long trading at the beginning. I had to feel everything out and find out what worked for me. And I still always want to know what longs are thinking, even when I'm on the short side. And there's many times where I'm like, it's 2.30 PM. It's consolidating just below VWAP. It's near the top gainers. It's a low float. 
this is probably going to test the breakout and either fail if it's a bear market or break out if it's a uh, bull market today. And, you know, I would say nine times out of 10, I'm pretty much right. And it's like, I could have traded that long and made a good amount of money, but I'll just never do it because I can't trade long with tight risk. I just get my stop gets hit every single time. So I'm just not good. But it's good to know both ends of the spectrum as well. So long answer, but that's that. Appreciate it. Yes. So when I look at your performance over the first year, when I say 50K to 500K, that's, that's what it was. Now, I look up to you because your progress is so fast. So I'm taking very small share sizes, but I'm seeing you rocket up to you know, 10,000% or whatever it is on your account growth in a year. And you had a loss on DWAC, DWAC that brought you down maybe 150K. Yes. Now, if I had done what you had done, I would now be in your shoes and have learned from it, which would be better than not doing so at all. So what did you learn from that process? That is a really good question. And I really like how you phrased that because at, at the given moment, it hurts like a lot. It, it really hurts. But when you look at everything relative on the entire year and how the year went and what you learned from that trade and also PHUN, fun, DWAC and fun together combined for about that loss, um, you realize some things. And I'll just say a couple things is, uh, this is terrible to say, but on that given first day, I didn't even know what DWAC was. So I didn't know what it was. I didn't do my research on the stock. I didn't even know that it was Trump's new company. Um, and I shorted it because it was up 150% on the day. And I was caddying and I had a loss that morning. And I'm like, this seems pretty, you know, pretty safe overall. And then I took my eyes off the phone for about 20 minutes as it squeezed me out and it added a little bit, squeezed me a little more. And then before I know it, I'm down that amount. And I'm just like, I'm cutting this and moving on. So that taught me a lot in that one and a half hours of what I really need to be doing when I'm traveling, also while on the phone, and how every single trade is your baby. And you need to focus on every single trade because it just takes a few trades that can really go against you as a short seller and you can be screwed. Okay. So I did learn that. And then in perspective, I learned a few other things which was, uh, you know, I have other sources of income too, but what I will say is that as you are trading uh, and you're making that much, I, I remember I made 165 grand one month and I had never thought that that was possible before or anything like that. And you start to um, get, in, of course, into a flow state, which is great, but you do start to feel a little bit unbeatable and it feels so good. And you start thinking about what the future could be one year, two years from now, if you just continue this. And at the end of the day, to everybody out there, um, there's a certain amount of money that you need to live and be happy. And there's that amount. 
and everything on top of that is gravy and it's amazing, right? But uh, going through the ups and downs and the emotional swings was terrible. And ever since a couple of those, I took some time off and my size is about a third of what it was. And I'm making a little bit less, but I'm, I'm still growing very positive. I haven't posted anything all year on properly, but it's been good and positive. So um, you don't need to have 30, 50, $100,000 swings as a trader. Uh, it doesn't, if you're $1,000 in a stock or 100,000 in the stock, the stock doesn't know it and it's the exact same stock, okay? And it's up to you as a trader to decide the size that you want to put in and how it's going to affect your life and your well-being and all of that. Um, one of the most important things I will say, though, is as you are growing as a trader, um, you can only, I made a specific pack with myself, I can only start to size up more and more if I'm winning and if my account is growing. So the only way to really calculate that is why don't you just make your average position size a certain percentage of your account size, right? So I had a specific account size, $50,000 that I started with roughly. Um, I think I started with 37 and then I ended up adding after making some profits got to like 55. So roughly around 50. And I said, my max position size is 10% of my account size. So I'll never put more than $5,000 into a trade. Hopefully I can do enough trades a day where as long as I'm winning and making a few percent per trade, I can really grow. All of a sudden, after a month, my account's at 60. So now I can put six grand in a trade. Nothing's changed at all. The trades are all the same. I just am putting more money into it. 60 turned into 80. 80 was then 130. Now I'm putting 13K in a trade. If you do a percentage of your account and if you continuously are profitable, you will grow not like this. You will grow exponentially because that's what exponential growth is. I hit a point where I was putting 50 to 55,000 in some of my trades. And then you get squeezed out 20%, all of a sudden you're down 10, 12 grand already. Mentally, I could not handle a lot of that. And my trading started to suffer a little bit because I was getting emotional with my trades because I wasn't ready for that amount of money um, personally. And then when I came back, uh, which was mid-December after about a month off, I started sizing down, got back into my flow state and everything was good. So obviously exponential growth, 50 to 500, you know, that all sounds uh, great, but just grow. One, one thing is at a percentage of your account size. And then number two is relative to what you can handle mentally. If you can only handle so much right now as a trader, um, you shouldn't put more in. But what I would say also is if you have a really good winning percentage and if you're profitable, there's no reason other than you need to convince yourself to start putting a little bit more in, you know? And I would tell you that, you know, if you have a good winning percentage, if you're profitable and if you feel confident with your strategies, um, you know, we're not in this game to, you know, we're in this game to, to make some serious money, to change our net worth and well, we enjoy it. That's great, but we still want to make an impact and continue growing. Um, in that way, I know you have a little bit of a smaller account, but as you continuously win, you know, if you win a bunch of trades in a row and your account size grows 30%, I would hope that your position sizes grow 30% as well. All right. Appreciate that.
Yeah. Sure. Well, you're obviously in a good place. You've got this sort of zenness about you. It seems that you're flowing with the market. You're growing your account safely. You're living a balanced life, as far as I can tell. And things look things look great. So maybe just to wrap this up, um, what are you looking forward to in the future? Whether that's you know family, friends, or trading. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sweet. Thank you for the kind words. I have a few things that I'm definitely looking forward to, and I'd like to come back on at some point too, and we can do a recap. But um, one, I'm getting married next February to my fiance, Nishta. We're going to have an Indian wedding. So that's pretty much on my mind all the time right now. So I'm very excited about that. She's definitely the love of my life. And um, I even took a loss today. Um, it's not that big of a loss, but relative to how I've been trading all year, it was, a, it was a decent one. I'm having a little bit of a red week now, which will be my first red week of the year. And I come home and like I said, Nishta's here. Uh, Nishta made some margaritas on Cinco de Mayo, de Mayo, and I'm having a great day and it's totally fine, right? And I'll just say the loss that I took was about 5,500 bucks today, okay? Not some, you know, 50,000 or anything like that that dramatically changes. And um, I'm totally fine about it, right? So I'm making enough money this year to be comfortable. But at the same time, my losses, and that, that was one of my bigger losses of the year, are still totally manageable. And I know I'm okay, right? So um, that's one thing uh, that I'm looking forward to. And I'm very grateful for Nishta. And then the other thing is I am uh, starting a fund in a few weeks here. So I'll be trading personally, but I will be trading others' money uh, in a fund. And it's just a small fund, but uh, definitely finding ways to uh, make money. Of course, they always say, make money with other people's money, right? I do that in real estate already. Might as well do it with some trading. So uh, have a good strategy. Don't get too aggressive in the fund. Be able to build some income and not feel like I have to force everything and, and 5x and 10x my money. Because, you know, if you give people, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus percent returns annually in a fund, they're going to be very happy. So um, that's another thing that I think has calmed me down a bit as well. Um, the Nishta is a professional golfer, so I'll just be traveling around with her, managing my, uh, my real estate and uh, my trading. Um, trading with my friends, all you guys, pre-market. I don't do as much pre-market, but intraday, we've got our groups going. That's fun. Um, would like to meet everybody in person too in the next couple of years. That'd be cool. So that's everything I got um, going right now. And it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but at the end of the day, who you surround yourself with is um, probably the most important thing. So there we go. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Reed. Happy to have you in my circle. And I'm glad we did this. And is, uh, is there anything that you would like people to reach out to you about? And if so, how would you like them to do it? Two things um, that I would say. One, if people want to reach out um, probably email is best. And if people have Profitly, they could message me on Profitly. It goes right to my email. But if you want to post my email underneath, it's, it's R-E-E-D-G-O-L-F, readgolf at umich, U-M-I-C-H dot E-D-U. So you can send emails. I am always willing to chat with people and 
give opinions on um, not stock tips, but the process of trading and and how it's affecting them. Um, and then on top of that, I'll just say, you know, you're, you're delivering good content. Uh, you're a good guy. And I really hope that as you continue trading, that you are able to size up more. And I know it's, it's, it is a little tough at times. And it was for me for, for a little bit, but um, run the numbers. And if you're winning more than 50% of your trades, if your wins are bigger than your losses, or if you're, you know, throw a little bit more at it and then all of a sudden ride the wave. And you never know what can happen. So, okay. Will do. Good stuff.